welcome to Midwife Monday. I'm Jay Lynn. And I'm Andy. We are two of the midwives with Holistic Heritage Home Birth. And we're excited to talk to you today. First, I have a very, very short story about um, a doctor visit. Remember last week? We always have a short story. Or two story. weeks ago, I was all... My butt hairs were in a twist because my assessment form, my like health history form was different than my husband's. So I was right. all wired wrong. Well, this time I go and... Did you see him? I did. did. doctor? I did. Okay. And it was glorious. It was wonderful. But preface to seeing him, the like nurse or administrative person, whoever it is that came and got me and took my blood pressure. First off, they did my blood pressure with the tiny cuff. So it looked like I was sickly, sickly, and I had a terrible blood pressure, which whatever. I don't even care about that anymore because it is what it is. But then they come in and it's me and my husband are sitting there and obviously he's going in with me. That's the way I work. I went in with him. He should go in with me. And she comes in and says, the doctor's not going to allow that. Is that okay? And I said, no, it is not okay. And Chris made a face at me like, God damn, Andy, every time you got to like be all buttheadedness about it. But right? Why is that even a... Why is it okay for you to go in with him, but he can't come in with you? Because they're trying to ask if you're safe in the situation. I understand that. And that question wasn't even in my health history. So maybe ask there. But also in a different way, like you're going to, it's just like the whole way it's presented, the whole way it's not about my experience, it's to your comfort level. Oh, you don't want him in there because maybe we're going to talk about something that makes you uncomfortable to talk about in a couple atmosphere. I was pissed again. So. And then did Chris stay in there with you? Yes. He's like, babe, it's okay if I don't go in. I said, it's absolutely not okay if you don't go in. Well, why do you have to say it like that? Because she needed to understand that this is not about her and the doctor. This is about me. And you're going with me. Or I'll leave. And that's how it went. And he went in with me. And that's fine. And I made a whole ass out of myself. But I don't care. It wasn't Karen-ish. It was just, no, that's not okay. Yeah. I don't even think that's even mean or making a thing about it. I think that's stating what your boundaries are. And it's. You're right. It's about you. It's not about them. And when did that become a Karen to just say, no, that's not good. That's not good for me. That's not a Karen. I don't know why you're thinking that. No, but I think the world does. Oh, I won't say that. Yeah, okay. I'll just go without him and be scared and not remember anything. Like, no, absolutely not. So that's what happened to me last week. But it is a tricky situation. Like, how is it appropriate for the medical industry to handle that when, when they want to ask you questions about your safety and your relationships? Because really, they are pressured to ask, but your partner's there. Well, this wasn't my PCP. This wasn't my midwife. This was a very specialized visit. And I don't know. I don't know. I don't feel like that was the situation. But I think that all medical professionals know tricks to the trade of like how to ask that in a, in a, if the spouse comes or if the partner comes, you, okay, let's go to the restroom. I want to show you. I want to give you a tour. And then you ask on the way, or there's a note in the bathroom that says, text me if you are afraid at home. Like, there are other ways. That was not the way, and it was frustrating. That's all. Okay. Okay. That's not what we're going to talk about today, because that was two weeks ago, if you want to check in on that. (laughs) Today, we want to talk about the cervical exam. Why we do it, what's the, a little bit of the history of it. Uh, Can you say yes or no, which is... A nice lead-in from what you were just talking about. Yep. You can always say no. That's the answer to everything. Yeah. And it really started with 
Friedman's Curve. Yeah, so there was a doctor way back in the way, back in the day. His name was Friedman, and really his intentions were good. What he set out to do was good, but what ended up happening as it evolved and morphed over time is big industry, hospital industry, and the medical establishment adopted this Friedman's Curve, that's what it's called, to tell you how you're supposed to normally progress in labor. And it's really not a normal labor pattern at all. It it almost looks like, okay, after you're in active labor, maybe that becomes a little more normal. But in those early parts of labor, it isn't even remotely mirroring what labor looks like because there's everybody labors their own way. And the Friedman Curve study wasn't really an official study. It was an observation he was doing on a set number of women. I think it was 40 women um, measuring dilation. And it's just one particular group of women. Um, so it wasn't, it was just meant to be observation and to think about things to study, not meant to be. This concrete thing this, that made all decisions. Right. That's that's followed all over the world, uh, maybe not all countries, but most countries um, in all the obstetric books talk about dilation and what's normal um, based on one observation of 40 women. And the curve really, he didn't look at it as people who had had one baby or multiple babies because that makes a difference in your labor pattern. But now they've kind of, they've kind of turned it to that where if you are in your first baby, you're supposed to dilate this many centimeters, and it even gets like to the fourth, you know, like one in one fourth. I don't remember all the numbers for the different patterns, but each hour or each two hours, you're supposed to do this. And if you're not doing this, you have failed to progress. Right. And I think it gets even trickier. They're a little bit better about early labor now because they did change what early labor was supposed to be because early labor was up to four centimeters and four centimeters and over was considered active labor. And that has changed in a few years. So six centimeters is actually considered active labor. Mm -hmm. um, and I know there's many doctors that feel like if you don't fit in that parameter of six to ten centimeters, of about a centimeter an hour, maybe a half a centimeter, fail to progress. And first off, we're saying those words and we hate them. We hate that yeah. that verbiage, but that is what it's called um, in the medical model, and it's gross. Um, Which contributes, it, it contributes to our high C-section rates. So some things we may not be ever to cha ever change about C-section rates, but we can change our patient's level. Mm -hmm. And, and there's an entire... Um, I don't even want to call it an umbrella. It's more like a wapsidaisical trampoline that everybody's jumping on. And and it's the the reasoning behind why they want to stick to this Friedman curves as if it were evidence or as if it were true research. And it's about that turn and burn men, uh, yes. like mentality. You know, when you go in a restaurant, you sit down, order, eat, leave. They need to turn that table in order to make money. They don't like people to sit there for four hours. They don't like you to sit in a room for two and three days. They're not making money like that. They need people in and out and in and out. So they typically give you 24 hours. Right. And insurance only pays the hospital a set amount. So it doesn't matter how long you're there. So for a, a vaginal brief birth, 
vaginal breach, for <laughs> vaginal birth, you're, they're only going to get paid X amount of dollars. The only way they're going to make more money is if you do the epidural, if you do the Pitocin, you do those things. But if you still don't have a baby in 24 hours, they're not going to get paid anymore. So whether and it's three days or 24 that's hours. That's the doctor. The hospital the will hospital get like too. a little tiny fee because you're taking the room, but it's like a hotel room fee. It's not like they're making the 6000 the $15,000 no, for the facility. They, they don't even get anything. No, it's a set amount for a vaginal birth. That's why... I didn't know that. No, that's why they have 24 hours for you to have that baby because they're only going to get so much money. It doesn't matter how long it takes. And remember when we say this, this is for most of the time. We know that there are spectacular doctors out there that will say, yeah, let's keep laboring. Let's keep trying. We know they exist, so don't come trolling on us. But for the broad spectrum of how it is, 24 hours. And that's why... Because it has to be turn and burn. And isn't it convenient that we can lean in on that Friedman's curve that is a bunch of garbage? Right. And if you get a great nurse, that's awesome because she can hold off the doctor. But the best way to hold off the doctor, y'all, is don't check. Yeah. So let's talk about checks, right? She yes. mentioned that word dilation. First, let's just go over some vocabulary. We may have people that don't know what these things are. Right. First, a cervical exam is the same as a vaginal check, a cervical check, I'm going to check you, any of those things. That means fingers are going to go inside the vagina, up the vaginal canal, and you have a little button way back in the back of your vagina called the cervix. kind of looks like a cute little donut until it starts opening. It's a pink little donut. It's really cute. If you've never seen yours, when you go to a pap, ask your provider to take a picture because it's cute. Um, so it's just a little dimple. It's a tiny, tiny close. It's supposed to be closed. But then when you start labor, it begins to open. It begins to open. That's dilation. You're going to go from fingertip all the way to 10. That's when the head's going to be able to slip beyond. And um, That's dilation. That's dilation. It, there's also thinning because the cervix is about three to four centimeters long. So your cervix has to thin and open in labor. That's that's what labor is. Really, early labor is all about that thinning phase mm -hmm. and then getting to that six centimeters. So it's got to thin and then that's uh, open. And that's what we're checking for. Is right. How thin is the cervix and how open is it? And dilation would be in centimeters, zero to 10. And that thinning, and the medical term for that would be effacement, if you see that online, effacement, that's in a percentage. So you're super thick, you're zero percent effaced. But as you thin out, thin out, thin out, thin out to a like a piece of paper thin, that's 100% of face. You are thin to the max. So you might hear exam, she's 0, 0,93. So 0 is how low the baby is in the pelvis. So it goes to minus and plus. Um, and 0 is about where we are when we're starting active labor. Right. So imagine you're floating in the water and you're bobbing up and down in a tube and you've got the little tube around your waist. Everything below your waist is negative numbers. That means it's up in your pelvis towards your body, right? So in your pelvis, there are these two little bony structures that come out and anything above the bony structures is negative. Anything below the bony structures is positive. Is positive and the bony structure is zero. And we're, we're looking, so when we're looking at progress in labor, like for when we're looking or when they're looking, progress can look all different ways. Did effacement increase? Did Dilation decreased and the descent of the baby increased. So those all show us progress. And sometimes they're not evenly. Mm -hmm. And Maybe what 
Maybe I only see progress in one area. And the one that's not in that number scale where she just explained like you might be zero, 70% and plus one, they don't really describe position. And the, the position baby. of your cervix and the baby, but the position of your cervix is really just as important as the rest. So if you've ever been checked and you feel like they're just going all the way back and digging and they can't find it and it's like way, way, way back. I call it, that, I call it digging for China. I We're know. Going in China. It's so far back. Your cervix needs to come forward to a central place, and that's when things really happen. It can happen way back. I've, I've felt people started facing and dilating way back, but really you want to move forward to a central spot, and then everything happens a little bit quicker. And they never even put that into the equation. Right. So there's all these different things are changing, and those are what really set your guidelines when you're going for a typical hospital birth, especially if you're going in for induction. Those are all the things they are looking for um, and why they are checking you. And, y'all, you really do have a choice if you want to be checked as frequently, and I really recommend no. Yeah. And let's talk about even before labor. Yeah. When you're going to your prenatal visits, there is absolutely zero reason for you to get checked, ever. Ever, ever. It's one of the things that I hear all the time, like when people transfer care, their doctor starts checking them at 36 weeks, and they're at 38 weeks. And I hear them on Facebook all the time. I'm 38 weeks, and I'm not dilated at all, and I'm not open. Yeah, so what? You're not or, supposed to be. Or they have the exact opposite. I'm 37 weeks, and I'm already 4 centimeters. And? And? Y'all, your cervix is not a crystal ball. It is not a predictor of what's about to happen. You can have nothing going on. Your cervix could be way in the back. It's still hard. It's long. Nothing's going on. And you could go into labor that night and have a baby. Sure. That fast. Or, like I said, you could be four, five, six, seven centimeters, which we had someone go that, mm -hmm. for two weeks. And nothing's going on. And then you feel like, what's happening? I thought I was going to have a baby yeah. any day. No, this is what your cervix is. And I think it's important, too, when you're getting checked, like, let's go back to what cervixes are like for somebody who's never had a baby versus somebody who's had a baby. If you've never had a baby, you are probably closed tight, like, we couldn't even get your finger through. But you could check me right now, and my cervix is like a little slit, and I'm probably two to three centimeters, and I'm not even pregnant. Right. I mean, cervixes are different for different people. Right. So it doesn't do any good. Sometimes you just want it done because it gives you peace of mind to know. Um, but it still doesn't matter because even if you're that seven centimeters for two weeks, you still got to go through labor, all the stages. Mm -hmm. That's not going to change. You don't get to skip ahead because you're seven centimeters, and that's what we think. It is what we think. We're going to skip ahead. Nope, you're not going to skip ahead. You still have to go through the stages of labor. Yeah. Dang it. That's not fair. It's not. And then the other thing is, for our practice, that we tend to be pretty hands-off. Um, often we've never checked your cervix, um, which we're really at peace with. But there are times that we will want to check, uh, that we're going to offer. Um, so I thought it would be good just to go over some yeah. of those points. And one of those we were just talking before we got online was we come over and we kind of know what your labor pattern is or how many centimeters are by how your labor's looking. Um, are you like yippy skippy? Hey, glad you're here and you're having a surge and you're still yet chatting through it. You're probably still early labor. <laughs> or are you like, oh, wait, wait, going to have a surge. 
Now you're kind of breathing a little bit. you got to concentrate, but you're not all that yippy-skippy through it. But then you wake up, and you're like, yeah, yeah, you're still chatty. Um, maybe that's early active labor. Maybe still a little bit of the earlier. So the more withdrawn we get in, the less cute everyone else around us, the more progress we're making in labor. So that's what we look for as normal patterns. Yeah, and we're really good at that because yeah. we don't lean in on our fingers. Right. So Where other people have never seen that normal progress. And and usually in a hospital setting, and I'm not poo-pooing on the hospital setting. I'm just saying this is how it tends to be. When you're in a hospital setting, your nurse isn't in there the whole time with you. To see they, they have other things that they're having to do with other clients. So they're not recognizing your progress and how you were acting then, the noises you were making then versus, okay, now it's been two hours. Now what are we doing? They haven't witnessed those things with you. Right. And typically you're not going to have those types of changes if you've got an epidural because you're not going to feel. Yeah. And, not and, working through and it. there are telltale signs of, oh, we're there. We're about to have a baby when it's like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Oh, you're about to have a baby, girl. That's what right. we're about to do. Or if you look at me and go, I can't. I don't want to do it anymore. I can't. I can't. I can't. It's because you're about to. Those are, we know. Yeah. And we're like, oh, yeah, you're going to have a baby. <laughs> um, but if we come in and you're like, you look like you're really rocking and rolling and you're you're like having those signs that we're close to having a baby um, and you're even doing a little pushing. So sometimes the body, the body, the body, <laughs> the body will prematurely push before we're dilated, which is confusing and frustrating. Um and we'll see that going on. And if we don't see the next step in the progress going over the next hour or two, we may be going, Maybe we should check because mm -hmm. maybe we're not as far along as we are. And that gives us an idea of how to plan for you. Um, so do we really care what your dilation is at that point? Not a lot, but we care about how you're coping with labor and then how can we help you based on what your dilation is, what the position of your baby's head is in, um, and what we can do to help you through some things that are normal but on the weird side of normal. Yeah. That's one circumstance. Another circumstance I can think of the top of my head would be if you were a vaginal birth after cesarean. Mm -hmm. We really do need to be seeing changing happening every couple hours. So it, we may ask. If we don't see those outward signs, if you're somebody who's real stoic and quiet and we're like, I really don't know what the heck's going on, or you're kind of acting like you're transitioning, but then we don't have a baby in two hours, we may say, can we? Can we take a check? Can, can we see what's going on there? And that's for safety because those are some of the things we need to look for. We do need to make change with a, a vaginal birth after a cesarean. Right. And that's really reasonable. So if you're having a, if you've had a cesarean, um, we really do want to see that progress and your progress can be slow. That's okay. As long as it's progress. Mm -hmm. um, what we're concerned about, if you stay the same way for hours and hours and hours, then we never have any kind of change because that introduces a different risk that we have to look at and we have to prepare you for, um, and to be safe yeah. for a home birth. Mm -hmm. So, and then the other reason to check is you want to. Mm-hmm. It doesn't happen a lot, but it does happen. Yeah, it does. I've had people ask, them, oh, are you sure? Because I think we're close. Just do it. All right. I'll do it. <laughs> You're nine centimeters. And then that makes them feel good that they're going to progress. Once I forgot, y'all, I'm sorry. You know who I'm talking about. I forgot the nitrous. Because so, we do offer nitrous to some people, and you have to tell us we want it, and I forgot it. And I felt like crap. And then she's like, I want it. Where's my gold, baby? <laughs> and I'm like, well, 
what do you think about me checking you so I can see if we even have time to get it here? Because I can get it there. Um, because we may not even have time. And she's already eight, nine centimeters. And she felt so great about that. I feel great. I can do this. I don't need that nitrous. She was just thinking she was four centimeters and feeling like she's going to have a baby. Now, I felt like she was going to have a baby, but I felt really bad. That and like let's this. just talk about it for one second. Because we automatically think, oh, we're four centimeters. We still have a long time to go. Yeah. Or we're nine centimeters. I'm about to have a baby. Maybe. But maybe, but maybe not. People can go from four to having a baby in 30 minutes. And people can sit at nine and... Six hours. Not having a baby. So rewire your brain into thinking the numbers don't really matter. You're going to have your own labor journey. It's going to only look like your labor journey and not like a textbook. Yep. And we've seen both of those situations. Yeah. My own. I went from four centimeters. I, I remember telling the nurse going, I feel a little pushy. Hadn't even broke a sweat yet. Um, she's like, you're four. Uh, I had a baby 10 minutes later. Mm -hmm. I mean, it went that fast. Well, and the moral of that story is listen to somebody. If they tell you they've got a bowling ball in their butt, they got a damn bowling ball in their butt. Right. Yeah. <laughs> My poor husband was panicked. And I've seen, <laughs> I've seen, um, Women be nine centimeters for six, seven hours. Like their labor just slows down for some reason. In fact, I think a couple of years ago, it's, uh, we have a video of a woman doing a salsa at nine centimeters. That's what happened to her. It just stopped. And then she went out and she started dancing. And then right after that, she just picked up and she had a baby like an hour mm -hmm. later. There was something because, because labor and birth is not just physical. It's not just biological, but it's spiritual and emotional and if your kids wake up and you need to go make them eggs then your body yes. will stop mothering the labor journey and you will mother the children i've seen that i've seen it so yeah get rid of the like status quo thing and just do your own yeah and if we can empower you guys to do anything you can always say no mm -hmm. and i know in traditional medical care that is a big deal to check your cervix but you could say no no I'm not feeling any pressure. Even with an epidural, you're going to feel pressure on your butt. So if you're not feeling any pressure, you're probably not that close. And why keep checking? And I will say this, too, because I remember working in the hospital, and they would make it seem like we're not going to give you an epidural until we check you. We need to know where you are in order to give you this or in order to give you this. That is not true. You can never be withdrawn of medication that is a human right so if you want the epidural they do not have to check your cervix they can if you don't care have at it they don't have to i have seen people get epidurals at 10 centimeters yep i actually um transferred last last year or maybe earlier in this year she was actually v-back and we weren't progressing so we went to the hospital um had a great doctor by the way lovely but the nurses were cranky and they wanted to check her and she had already said going in no 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 i don't want to be checked until i have the epidural um it's just so invasive to me and she had other issues she didn't want it those nurses were so mad and we just said no after she has her epidural and they kept saying well we have to know we have to know what if she's breached i said well one she's not breached but two so what it's not going to matter. You're going to have to give her an epidural anyways. If you think she's breaching, you're going to recommend a surgery, right? It doesn't matter. They were so mad. Yeah. But it didn't make a difference. They really, Nurses want to check off the box, don't you think? They yeah, have, and I'm guilty of it because yep. we have to check off the box. You're yep. supposed to. 
There's things we have to do. It's in the checkbox. We have to get lives. We have to do this. We have to do this. Blah, blah, blah. And we're not even thinking about what it is you want. We're thinking about what our job is requiring us to do, right? It's a wrong way of thinking. Really, we need to be thinking about what the client wants, no matter what situation. So you can always say, no, thank you, not right now. Um, and if you're not like a no person, because some people don't want to say no. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, that seems so confrontational. They don't want to do that. You can say, mm, I'd like to wait. Can we just wait a little bit? I'm not ready. And you can just wait, 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 wait for a long time. Mm -hmm. I agree. And just as a small little piece at the end, there are always ex like extraordinary circumstances. So if you've got scar tissue on your cervix for some reason, any reason, um, your cervix is going to behave a little bit differently than a scar than a than a cervix that doesn't have scar tissue. Um, so just be aware of that. There are therapies out there. There's somebody in Houston who's like the guru of scar therapy. Um, but there may be somebody in your area and work on that in advance because that tissue does stretch a little bit different than tissue that has never had any scarring. Yeah. And there is some weird situations that do happen where that cervix does stay really super posterior and dilate. And every now and then um, a midwife or a doctor will want to pull it forward. Ouch. Um, it is painful. It is helpful. It helps, but ouch. It's helpful. It gets, it gets you a baby a little bit quicker. Than not doing it so anyways yeah if y'all have any questions shoot them our way and thanks for coming and happy thanksgiving oh yeah happy thanksgiving we'll see y'all next week